0: guys! Welcome to the Back To Me podcast. We are back uh, with our Authentically You segment of the Back To Me podcast. And you guys know I don't have a lot of guests on here. It's mainly my message, the whole Back To Me movement. But the one segment I do have guests on is called Authentically You. And that's where I interview people who I believe are living in alignment with their true selves. The big message of Back To Me is not about getting more, being more, having more. It's about letting go of everything that you are not. Okay, because once you realize exactly who you are, you're fully aligned and you let go of everything that's not serving you, you're left with just the real you, the pure you. And that you is in alignment. It's energized. It's healthier. It's happier. It's more vitality. That's the whole point back to me. So when I find people I believe are living in that alignment, they're living in their truth. I want to talk to them and I want to bring their knowledge and their values to you. Everything is about getting you back in alignment. And I believe really there's not a lot of people doing this fully aligned. There's a lot of people successful, but not always aligned. And that's why I'm very selective about who I invite on here and who I want to speak to. And I have to know something about them. I know them personally, ideally, and most people I do know personally. Um, But I want to make sure they're always living in alignment and living from truth, their truth, because you can feel that. So today's uh, episode, I'm very excited to have a very unique, special individual on the on the podcast, a fellow Irishman who I'm very, very proud of because we love the Irish around here, as we know. Um, this is Mr. Brian Keane. First of all, welcome, Brian.
1: And thank you so much for having me on.
0: Pleasure. So Brian is, you know, what doesn't he do? He's a bit like me. He does a lot of things over the years. He's been in the game a long time. He's an online fitness coach. He is a nutritionist. He's a best-selling author, okay, he gave me that nudge when I told him I was writing a book, I, I picked his brain, he helped me out a lot, and now we have two books coming, not just one, since we last talked, Brian, uh, and he is one of the biggest podcasts, you know, worldwide really, but in Ireland in particular, he's very, very big, and in the UK, and he'll tell us more, I won't do him justice, I just want to give you a, a little bit of a heads up on what he's about, but he, he has a broad span of knowledge, a broad spectrum of interests, um and also he's an athlete as well and he goes after things so you know that's what I'm about you know like really pushing the limits physically so without any further delay obviously you know Brian you're here I appreciate you taking the time you're one of the busiest people I know Brian and I know uh, that-
1: mate. <laughs> mate, it's a pleasure to be here and it's funny from the outside it looks like I'm busy I would say I'm quite good with time like okay. I I have got a got a nice balance I tend to And try not to be a busy fool and I tend to try and spend my time, energy and prioritize the things that are really important to me and business is just one of those anchors, my family, my friends and some of the challenges that I do are in that bracket as well. So although, yeah, I can be seen to be quite busy on the outside, there's never a time when I wouldn't be open to a conversation like this. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Super, super. So, you know, me and Brian, we've talked about this for a while, because I was actually on your podcast last year, Brian, we had a great chat on the Brian Keen podcast. And that's where you guys are going to go after this episode, I'm sure. Or some of you might pause it and go there quicker, quicker than others. Brian is like, I think you have 450 episodes around that. Am I right?
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and of the main show there's about 600 in total with bonus episodes etc but 450 of the main series you were on and i think it was december a cracking episode one of those episodes that i got so much feedback and dms from and again it just shifted people's mindset shifted their perspective if i heard people quoting curiosity leads to clarity for the month after that episode i just got dm after dm after dm about that line in particular and i know how much of a positive impact it had in people's lives
0: yeah i got a lot of messages i still continue getting messages that's the one thing about your podcast you've a lot of people who listen back who join it it's really a go-to because you've such a diverse you know again a broad interest in people and, and different avenues and channels of life that there's really something for everybody in your podcast um, so it was a great honor for me to be on and thank you for having me. And we, I said, listen, we'll do part one is going to be on yours, part two is going to be on mine. And this is a great, I love that, you know, because uh, we're bouncing back off each other. You have a very unique podcast style. Obviously, you're, you're a professional, I would say, in podcasts. So you have a style, you know what you're doing. I'm a little bit more of a the free reign right now. So we're going to be, you know, and I know you like that as well, to be challenged and to have some different things. And you don't know what's coming. Which is great. You know, when I went on yours, you were really focused on my book and what I'm about, but I'm going to drag you left and right. Okay. And you're here now. <laughs> no, You've no choice. Let's to. do it. Just drag away. Drag so away. I'm going to hook the people in quickly and tell them how we met. Okay. So me and Brian met actually at an ayahuasca retreat. Um, so I know you're both, in, if you weren't curious by now, you're definitely curious after that. Okay. So me and Brian, we met at that. And I remember I went in, I arrived, and I came a bit late. and. I think I came to a day later, actually, than I usually go And Anyone who knows me knows I've done it quite a bit and since, since as well. But you were in there. There's a group of you guys talking about a water cooler. Cliché, but it's true. And I heard this Irish accent. And you know, I knew nothing about you. And you knew nothing about me. But we connected that weekend and we clicked. And we had some incredible conversations for three days, you know. Do so you, you recall that? We knew nothing about oh, it. And knew- we didn't actually tell each other really about each other. Till the, I think when we came home, we kind of found out what we were really about.
1: But like it's what our what I loved about that experience and then after was it was a weird pull and connection energetically towards one another because I think in Not every walk of life when you connect with somebody. I think had we met in a gym, we would have connected on a different level. It would have been on our, oh man, this guy gets after it. You know, he's trying to inspire people and motivate people. And I would have been drawn to that because it's very similar to me. With the ayahuasca retreat, it was, we were both there for our reasons, trying to work through some of our shit, some of our trauma, some of our uh, things that were holding us back. But we connected on that kind of deeper level to, right, Our personal lives need to improve in some capacity. It's why we're here. And then after, I was like, oh man, Aiden's doing some really cool stuff with talks and corporate and motivational stuff. And you were the same with me. You're like, oh man, this guy's doing stuff with, books and fitness that we just touched on over there and we connected on a whole other different level which I think is one of the most amazing things to have happened and came out of that because you know we've had several conversations we chat back and forth a bit on Instagram DM and on WhatsApp and it's just one of those things that the stairs kind of aligned you know the Irish connection is always a thing but you know sometimes it's not there's other people and you won't connect to them for whatever reason so I'm very grateful for that experience for that seed being planted and for potentially the tree that it's even growing into now.
0: Yeah and I liked it too because you know when you when you have perceptions and this is a thing that causes people problems in a lot of areas of life and they have preconceived notions or ideas or opinions that can affect everything because our mask matches almost what we know we're about to receive whereas we're in that stripped back you're never more vulnerable than when you're doing ayahuasca I can tell you anyone who's done it can, can attest to that you're surrounded with this group of people for three days yeah, you're sleeping under the one roof. You're you're very vulnerable. You're in a very unusual and uns- it feels very out of your comfort zone. There's a lot going on. You're in your deepest parts of your subconscious, and you're meeting people, and it's very real. There's no agenda. There's no ego, because your ego's literally being dissolved during that process. So what I really enjoyed was getting to know. Like I saw you as a really as a man before I ever saw you as. Brian Keane podcast, online fitness coach, nutritionist, author. And for sure, and even I know myself, I'm pretty aware. And I think I take people as they, your video just went off there. Now, Brian, are you still with oh, me? Oh, yeah.
1: You, 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 we're going to be 100% in post-production. It's literally the Riverside, Dubai, Ireland connection. So okay. post-production, it'll be
0: 100%. Super. Um, so as long as we're, we're good and we're capturing it. So what I, what I loved really was just seeing who you were as a man then. And I connected with that and your values. And we, we really talked a lot about values and like I said, if, even if I'm aware and everything, if we knew about each other, I think it would have affected things. So I want to ask you a first question based on that. We're not, you know, we don't need to talk. We can do a whole podcast probably on, on ayahuasca ourselves. Which we might do someday, actually, and the deep revelations. But I want to talk, long before you ended up there in that ayahuasca retreat, the two of us, how did you get started on this journey to, to end up, even to end up there, never mind to end up as a successful author and podcast host? Like what was the start for you?
1: There's a lot of overlap there because one of the things ayahuasca taught me, without getting too woo, is that there's no coincidences. I was the high end of a scientific brain that I need evidence to support my thinking. If there's no evidence, I don't believe you. And off the back of ayahuasca, now I don't believe in coincidences anymore. I believe everything happens for a reason. And my lead up to that, to kind of give a brief synopsis and backstory was I was out of the fitness industry that wasn't my original career I was a primary school teacher for four years and I did a very traditional entrepreneurial journey I did terrible in school barely passed my leave Cert, search which is the high school equivalent in Ireland for anyone unfamiliar with that scraped my way into university and got a business degree. Now, I did better in university than I did in secondary school and in high school, and did four years of a business marketing undergraduate, did one year postgraduate to become a teacher, and then walked into my first teaching job in London. Again, I was a male teacher into sport. I literally had a pick of jobs when I came out of university. And about 30 minutes into my first every day of teaching, a year three classroom. There was 37-year-old kids in front of me on a carpet, and I thought, this isn't what I want to do. And I remember in that moment thinking, and I since used the analogy in books, The Fitness Mindset, rewire Your Mindset, that I felt like I had been years climbing a ladder only to realize it was up against the wrong wall. And when I transitioned out, fast forward five, six months from that period, that was September 2011, I think, I came home that Christmas I was having a real pity party for myself, Aiden. Like I was so feeling so sorry for myself that I'd spent all this time, energy, money, focus, getting teaching and I'm really unhappy in the job I'm in. And I remember my mom turned to me and said something that I've since told hundreds of thousands of people through the podcast and through books over the last few years. And she asked me the question, what would you do for free? And I sat there and I thought about it and I said, I would do fitness for free. I was like, I would clean the floor of a gym for free and I would be happy doing that if I knew that I had a roof over my head and had food in my stomach. Yeah, it was just, it was my pull and it still took several years for that to really grow into what it became because I just didn't have the confidence, I didn't have the courage to make the jump, but I did go back to London that January after that Christmas and sign up to a fitness instructor course, which gave me the complete opposite feeling to when I walked into a classroom in that year three, 30 kids in front of me. I walked into my fitness instructor course, which was in just this little dank room in London, in a West London gym, and I thought, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is where I'm supposed to be. And that gut feeling and something that you speak so much about is that alignment. So when I walked into that classroom, the alignment, for the first time in my life, I felt like my gut, my heart and my head had aligned, that this is where I'm supposed to be. And fast forward three years later, I eventually built up enough confidence after two years of working as a personal trainer at nighttime and working as a teacher during the day to move back to what was the West of Ireland in with my mum and dad at the time. My sister gave me her old little Toyota Yaris, one of those cars that when you close the front door, all four windows fall down. But it was enough to kind of get me to the gym at the time. And yeah. I said to myself, I'll give it six months. And if I haven't got enough money coming in, in six months, I'll go back teaching. It was my plan B, it was my safety net. And it went better than I ever dreamed possible. I actually had to bring on... Other trainers underneath me at the time to clear a waiting list after six months. So, again, something that I said to one of my friends yesterday on a walk that I still live my life by is, you know, what's something that you find easy that other people find difficult? Mm. And fitness was that for me. Same as podcasting, conversations. There are things that other people can find difficult that I find very easy. And, you know, sometimes you have to go with the resistance. We both run and neither of us are built yeah. like runners. So sometimes we, you know, <laughs> you have to seek out that resistance. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that was something that opened up that door, and over the past few years, I've been very fortunate with the growth of the podcast, you know, multiple books that were bestsellers, the courses and programs that I created, the business consultancy that I do now with people, all things I would do for free that I love that Mm -hmm. have just grown from that kind of initial seed of what I would say was potentially a failure, a seed of failure, planting the tree for future success when it came to a career path. And that's what kind of led me down to that alignment and values with everything else that I do because it's such a huge portion of our life, in my opinion.
0: Well, what you call a seed of failure there, I, I often call contrast. Because it's telling you what you don't want, so you know instead of that weight or burden and label of failure, we can look at it as contrast as communication. And one of the chapters in the book is your chaos is your communication. Everything there, that to you was communication for you. But the difference is, I think Brian, is you listen to us, and you had that courage and to, and to go back home. And a lot of people, I I get this a lot with clients, as I'm sure you do. People are afraid to take a step back to go forward. So where do you think that courage came from? Did you have a vision? I talk a lot about vision. Did you have a vision or was it just that the present situation in the school in the UK was just so uncomfortable that it it pushed you or were you pulled by a vision and do your best to be, to remember as much as you can from that time and which way was it more of a, a push really out of the fire that you didn't like or were you pulled by I'm capable of more, I see more, I feel more, like which was it a bit of both or one more than the other?
1: That's a great question, Aidan. And at the time, it was 100% moving away from pain. It wasn't a vision of seeing where it could go or what I could be or what I could do. It was I was in so much discomfort and pain because I hated what I was doing. It forced me to change. And something that you've spoken about, and I have this in one of my books, Rewire Your Mindset as well, is that, yeah, it's okay syndrome. That the worst place in life to be is when your answer is, yeah, it's okay. You know, a relationship, a business you're in, a job you're in you reply with, yeah, it's okay, because there's not enough pain there to push you. Sometimes you're actually better to be in a toxic relationship or to hate your job because that pain pushes you to change. And that's where I was at at the time. All I wanted to do, which sounds so contradictory, particularly with people who know me now, because my vision over the past few years grows and gets bigger because you have more confidence in yourself. You're able to project and see further into the future and you're able to back yourself more. But at the time... All I wanted to do was make enough money doing fitness that I didn't have to go back teaching. That was it. Mm-hmm. There, there was no dream of books. There was no dream yeah. of a bigger picture. It was just I want to be able to survive doing something that I don't hate. And then as yeah. the years grew and as I got more confidence, the vision expanded. But in the initial stages, that's what happened.
0: And I think that's a great point for people now is, as we talk about this authentically you. You just have to take the first step. You know, one thing I, I always say, the path reveals the way. I'm giving, I know I'm plugging this book and off. am it's about to come out, so you have to forgive me. But As path,
1: you should, mate. That's going to be a life changer for people.
0: The path reveals the way. I feel like it's a unique perspective that came from, from the coach. And I think that's a perfect example. You just took the step and the path was revealed. That revealed the way, but you, at first you didn't know, you just took the step. A lot of people are struggling with just taking the step and moving and it was i love that you said and i i believe and you know this is why most people are moving away from pain than towards pleasure because if we're all moving towards pleasure we'd all be you know much healthier fitter and all that jazz we've heard a million times so you were in the fire you got you know you took the step you moved you felt the alignment quickly you know as it expanded like where how do you feel you received those insights do you feel and there's a couple of ways i could ask this but did it come was it momentum in the fitness and then things kind of came how did you receive the insight and the guidance because i'm a big believer in that we're antennas we're receiving all the time again were you seeking continuously did you seek you found the fitness then you were just kind of guided and pulled how would you describe the navigation as you so we we know you got to the first step you got busy you brought in help how did you how did the navigation come after that in that mid mid road phase
1: It's a very interesting one, and I think our analogies tie well together here about the path and the ladder when I was teaching and I've had this same thing happen in past romantic relationships, past business endeavors, and other experiences in life when I was doing something that I was misaligned with, and I would have to force the next step because There was just something in my gut or in my heart or in my head or a combination telling me I shouldn't be doing this. When I got my ladder up against the right wall with fitness, every step felt like a natural flow progression. And although I was able to see further, and as I started to grow the business and I thought, well, I'd love to write a best-selling book someday, or I'd love to have a big podcast, or I'd love to have... A multiple six-figure near seven-figure business and all these things that were once upon a time aspirations that i was working towards they seemed like a very natural progression for me at the time when my ladder was against the right wall it didn't feel forced and not to harp on or bring it back to ayahuasca but my message from ayahuasca was don't force things And stop Mm. forcing things and just let the things happen. And in the areas of my life I've received and had, and if you're using the antenna, received the most success, it was the areas that I didn't force. And my fitness didn't really, and that journey in business didn't really feel forced at any stage. Of course, you have to work hard and you have to show up and you have to put in the work and do the hours. I'm not saying you don't have Mm. to do that. All I'm saying is... You want to do it like suffering for suffering's sake is mass It's it's, it's, it's or ma-
0: like it's
1: it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it isn't. Yeah, it, and but suffering for something you love is passion, yeah. and that feeling and that following that made it all feel like it's what I was supposed to be doing, and it never stopped. It's one of those things that in the last 11 years of working in the fitness industry, I've never felt like it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I had that contrast, like you mentioned, in the early days. And it was feedback on what I shouldn't be doing. And the only difference and the only thing I'll say that makes me different from some other people is that I chose to listen to it. I know a lot of your work is getting people back to themselves, listening to that voice. And in that area of my life, I listened to it. Exactly. And as a result, I'm able to do something that I love, that I'm very grateful for, and without sounding like a knob or a dick, it's something that I love to do, and I'll do forever. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and I hate it because people oh, that hate their job life. hate fucking hearing this. Yeah, yeah, you know this because, like, when I hate my when I hated my job, the last thing I wanted to hear is some fella talking about how amazing his work is because you yeah, feel yeah. so triggered
0: by it. But that triggers feedback as well. That's communication, exactly. It's Feedback, I love it. So let's talk about distraction then, because for sure, like you said, there was some sort of dissolve, The wind is always blowing. Like Jim Rohn says, the wind blows all the time. It's how you set your sail, right? So obviously, I don't believe for a second you went on this path without distractions, without temptation, without being pulled left and right. Again, it's one thing to get on track and and, and get in alignment, but then to stay is also a challenge, especially as you're gro- you're growing. And you had some success early on, but I don't believe for a second it always stayed in, in a linear path uh, growing upwards. So talk to me a bit about distraction. Talk to me a bit about early distraction and talk to me specifically about... One, the people around you that maybe didn't align, whether there were relationships, whether it were family, and there was doubt or, you know, a lack of belief around either ability or the market or the timing or, or opportunity and so on. And then talk about lifestyle distraction in terms of, you know, just your lifestyle. Did you like going out in a beer? Did you, did you like, was eating a challenge? Was taking time off a challenge? Give me a feel for some of the distractions and how they impacted you and, and, and how they came, expected or unexpectedly.
1: I think with distractions, even to this day, and I'm going to be 36 in December, to this day you still get distractions. It's just that sometimes the distraction is the thing you need. The danger can be in the dose. I think when I was in my mid-20s, the distraction came from a combination of a fear of succeeding. It's weird because it initially starts as a fear of failure. That you're afraid that what people will say, what people will think, what you'll think of yourself if you fail. But I found for me, after receiving a certain level of success, I had a massive fear of succeeding and actually breaking through a glass ceiling. That what if I get everything I want and I can't handle it? And it's very weird. And I had my own mental health issues in my early life. A lot of anxiety, environmental depression from doing stupid things. Nearly all self-inflicted. Little bit of genetic composition childhood issues but a lot of self inflicted from making stupid fucking decisions and being around bad people and i realized that those distractions and those things that were pulling me were pulling me because i was afraid that if i got this thing that i want i'd still not feel happy And I'd still feel anxious. And then what? At least I had the story that, well, if I don't succeed and I'm feeling anxious and unfulfilled, I know that... In this false reality, if I had this other thing, I'd feel better. So I had this massive limiting belief on myself for years because I was afraid that if I got the things that I wanted, I'd still Mm -hmm. feel the same way about myself. And I realized then I was the problem. It was nothing to do with the external world. It was my internal world that was the problem. Mm -hmm. And although in the early stages, I had family members, friends, who were very unsupportive, of the decision I made to leave teaching and start a fitness business ironically the same people who came back years later with complete opposite opinions when you give them new information yeah. they're like I knew you succeed and you're like no you didn't <laughs> you were a fucking cunt when I started first but that's, that's what people are like they change their yeah, their, yeah, yeah. their information and they change their opinion based on the new information given Now I had amazing people too my mum my sister always my biggest cheerleaders supported everything that I've ever done so I, I have had great people as well but those distractions they never go away and the sooner i realized that all my problems and issues were internal and they weren't external there was nothing i could buy there was nothing i could do there was nothing i could have in the external world that would shift my internal feeling over the long term the long term then i started to realize that i was the issue i was the problem and that's what led me to the ayahuasca it's what led me to therapy it's what led me to self-exploration it's what led me to determine my real values from my junk values it's what led me to relationships with you and friendships with people like you who challenge me to question my own best loved ideas and beliefs so that they're not
0: holding me back anymore and that's where i started to see the real change so you know, that's a beautiful way of doing it because everybody looks at the external distractions, but again, it's not having that, number one, that North Star to guide them. And that North Star, ironically, we're made of the same stuff as those stars. So that North Star is within and it's connecting and we're being pulled. So I love how you explained that, like really I could say it was A, B and C or X, Y and Z, but really it was me. So it wasn't X, Y and Z, it was me. It's always you and it's always us, right? But today, like I believe it, it is, I don't. I have an episode of the podcast called There Is No Easy or Hard. I just believe it's con- conditioned or unconditioned. So I don't believe there's anything hard. But today, more than ever, it's more challenging to find that centeredness. It, it takes a lot more intention to get back to, to you, to get into yourself because of the external. I mean, literally, these billion-dollar companies are programmed and designed to make you addicted, to make you scroll. Even when you see in the DMs on it, you can put a little title heading in the DM, and you're like, it's just endless what they're coming up to, to hook your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say the, the world is pulling you away from your truth because it wants you in consuming mode. It wants you in need mode, spend mode. So, as someone today who's you know putting out a lot of content like you are, and I encourage everybody to go and check out Branky on Instagram. I will link everything in the notes below, obviously, and, and uh, everywhere we put the podcast. Um, you put out a lot of content. You know, I big believer in producing not consuming. I don't even scroll before you. I don't. I barely look at anybody's stories because I have. For me, I want to protect my attention. How do you, someone who's doing so much, putting so much out, interviewing so many people, you know, constantly surrounded by different data and everything, how do you now stay focused? Because I know you take responsibility for the distraction, but we can't deny that there is a lot of distraction in the world pulling us. What is the message to to stay and and tell us, do you lose yourself sometimes? Do Do you lose days sometimes? Do you fall off some evenings? Do you fall off some weeks like... Give it to us straight here, how it goes through these days.
1: Yeah, it's so weird, because you mentioned at the very top of the podcast, to bring it full circle, that sometimes it looks like I'm really busy from the outside. And I agree, I I produce a lot of content and do a lot of things. But one, one thing that doesn't get shared, and this is where sometimes I'd love, even though I'd never allow it, because it just... My value is I really like my privacy. It's weird because like, mm-hmm. I don't post my daughter on my social media. My family aren't on my social. It's something that I've just made a decision not to do. The people that are most important to me aren't anywhere on my social yeah. media channels or online, although I'll speak about them in podcasts. But I get those low days and I get those down days. And I get those days where the fucking devil on my shoulder is just shouting at me to be better and to do more. And I just want to lie on a couch and just do nothing. I I still get those days. And I don't think there's any avoiding them. It's just the reframing of the situation. Like something I've said, and I said this in a recent podcast, a solo episode about binge watching a show on Netflix. I'm like, binge watching a show on Netflix isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you are at a bad place and you need a distraction temporarily because that step back is the step forward, then maybe that's the self-care. Yeah. If you're doing it every day when you'd love to be in shape or you'd love to set up a business or you'd love to be in a relationship with a meaningful and deeper meaning, then you shouldn't be watching Netflix every single evening after exactly. work and using all that energy and giving it to that. So the, the, it depends on the context massively. I still struggle... Less so now, I think there's an age element to this, Aidan, and you can definitely speak to this too, that you get clearer on what's important and what's valuable. And Mm. I love the work that I do. I absolutely love it. I'm so grateful and I jump out of bed every day to do the things I get to do. Mm. But you could take that away from me tomorrow and I'd be fine. If you took away my business tomorrow, I'd I'd set up another one. I have the knowledge, I have the tools, I'd set up another one. Mm. If you took away my daughter tomorrow or a loved one or a parent I would struggle more although I do the negative visualization the the stoic principles of picturing the things that you matter to you most and visualize those things being taken away from you because it makes you more present and grateful in the moment I do practice those techniques and those philosophies but they're the things that are really important to me so when I wake up every day And I haven't recorded a podcast I said I would, although I do think you should keep promises to yourself because that's how you build confidence over time. Ultimately, if the health of my loved ones and myself, and it's such a trite cliche, but it's my truth, if they're all good and they're okay, I don't really have anything to complain about. And I just have to remind myself of that some days.
0: Yeah, I see that sometimes too, where you feel stressed or you feel like... again I think it's been pulled away it's illusion if you ever think you need something outside of yourself it's illusion you're not recognizing who you are and what Mm -hmm. you have and then I'll see again I'll think about my family my nephews my now fiance which is nice to say I'm still getting used to that Um, and I think I have everything actually like everything I'm full I'm complete. But I think that's why it's so important. If you're not in truth, it's hard to get those things around. A lot of people suffer with their parents. They suffer with brothers and sisters, stupid arguments. They're fighting with their loved ones all the time because, again, the values don't match. Or they're not... You know, we talked before, even with the ayahuasca, about, like, really finding that autonomy and that that liberty within yourself. I, I talk a lot about divorcing parents with clients. And it's not to separate from them. It's actually going to make a relationship better. It's It's removing the expectation or the judgment. And, you know as you said, get that core family right, get that personal life right. When you're in that truth, then you can find what you're best at, what you do for free, what you do best with the least amount of effort, right? So everything you're saying, is, it's no surprise to me because, you know, you can tell you've done the work and for me, I love to work with people who've done the work on themselves and that's, again, when we clicked, even being where we were, but that's only showing you the, the path, right? You have to go and do the work. So in terms of doing the work regularly yourself, then showing up, you're a big man on the, on the events and the challenges like myself we love this um when it when it comes to now your daily do do you schedule i'm a big believer if it doesn't get scheduled it doesn't get done are you a believer as an entrepreneur as a person about scheduling about allocating time or are you getting to the stage where it's more of a free free for all because you just trust yourself so much because i find that if you trust yourself a lot for me sometimes i'll I'll fall out of the the good rituals because i just trust myself to to do it but again that can be dangerous so talk about that in terms of execution for you now
1: it depends on this area of life i in business every single day from from now until the next two weeks and i didn't do this in two weeks know exactly what i'm doing every day i schedule in the creative work i'm doing the podcasts, the check-ins with clients the programs All of it is on my notepad in front of me here. Because if I don't schedule that and I don't measure that in some way, I can't manage it. I don't schedule workouts or do training programs at all. None. Zero. Which shocks people as someone who works as a fitness professional. But I don't. I, I intuitively train. And I've, you know, done marathon to Saab and six back-to-back marathons through the Sahara. I ran through the Arctic. I've done a 100-mile ultramarathon. I used to be a competitive bodybuilder. I played sport at a decent level. And I just don't program workouts, partly because I love them, partly because I have a little bit, and I think Malcolm Gladwell talks about this book outliers that you just get this intuition on what you should be doing and i've been training for i'm 36 now i started lifting weights when i was 13 i joined a gym at 16 and i've been going minimum five days a week for the last 20 years from 16 to nearly 36 so there's such a intuition there for how i should train does my body need to run more do i need to lift more weights do i need to stretch more i just know so i don't schedule that it's an area of my life that i have complete freedom with But because of it, I stay in relatively good shape because I just listen to my body. Same with my food. I just intuitively eat now. I don't track calories. I don't track macros. I don't do any of that, although there are things and tools that I recommend some people do depending on who I'm working with. But I do it with my work. And even with my daughter, I schedule in our quality time or with family or loved ones. I schedule in those times because I can and do have workaholic tendencies, hundred percent as a distraction like i think anybody with that type a personality can get drawn towards excessively doing the thing that puts you into a flow state and that's a really beneficial thing but the danger is in the dose so i have to control for that i i I have a strict start time for work days i have a strict finish time for work days and they become non-negotiables because i will work 16 hours a day if you let me in a lot of cases but then other things in my life start to fall down so I have self-awareness around how I approach that because I love what I do and it's so easy to fall into that story of well I love it I'm serving people I'm helping but you can't give from an empty cup so you can't serve everybody else without serving yourself and the people that are closest to you and once I check in with that there's a line and I can't remember who the quote is attributed to is you know don't forget the flowers at your feet when you're reaching for the moon and as long as I do that consistently I Find I've got the best of all worlds.
0: You know, I just look, I could just have you on. We should come on every month because just hearing someone else say some of these messages I'm always talking about, you know, when you talked about that awareness from your training, there, I'd have another chapter in the book Awareness Over Discipline. You have zero discipline for your training because you don't need it. A lot of times people think we have to create these habits and be disciplined. And I think they serve you for a point. But the ultimate freedom is in pure awareness when you know who you are and what's meant for you, what makes you feel alive. And what you just said there encapsulated perfectly, what I'm always talking about, of awareness is the key to your freedom. Because you're so aware of what you want, what's important, what's alive in you. Like when the, when your body's intuitively telling you what you need, you're it doesn't take discipline for you to go and lift that day or run. It takes awareness as a choice. And that started for you, as you've told us, early on when you got that contrast, that feedback that it's not for me in this industry, job, profession, and you changed. And I think the reason it becomes easier for you now, and people probably look at you like, how is it so easy for you, or it appears easy at least, well, it's, again, we talk a lot about repetition, how much repetition is needed. You're not doing this five years. You're doing this 12, 13 years ago. You made that first step over. You started in the gym or 16, 20 years. You've had the repetition. You've trusted yourself for so long to act on what you believe is right for you, that now it feels effortless. And sometimes, and and I'd like you to talk about this as well, you, you probably have clients, they expect that miracle overnight or in a week or a month. And that's why I don't coach people for less than three months because you've had decades of programming. You don't, you don't heal or undo that in a couple of conversations or meditations, I always say. It takes time to immerse yourself. So people might look at you and say, it's so effortless, he runs these big marathons, there's all this training. But you've conditioned yourself to make decisions for you from your place of truth for a long time. Would you agree with that?
1: I call it in the fitness mindset the first book making the right automatic choice after a certain point of time doing something those things become automatic and I don't even have awareness around them until a conversation like this
0: yes it's just yeah it's just automatic that's that's beautiful so let's we talked about where you came from kind of where you're at now before I shift gears slightly I want to just ask you about your vision now like with all this experience you see the way the marketplace is you know there's a lot of you know, a lot of noise in the marketplace these days. It's quality over quantity thing is becoming more and more valuable, in my opinion. I I think everyone has a lane. Um, For someone like you who's done so much, you know, you've really achieved a lot between your fitness, your personal brand, your books, your podcast. What's in the vision for Brian Keene going forward? Like, what's the next? I often talk to my clients, what's a day in the life three to five years look like? And then we do 10 years. What's that three to five?
1: Oh, What's a three there. to just, five
0: year vision look
1: I, like for you? I, I, I'm just going to get you to redo that last question. That you, I literally. So what happened to me earlier is what happened to you there. I okay. just as you were going into, you were about to ask what's your, and then it went.
0: Okay, so I think I said I think I said a lot there in that part. So I'm trying to remember, um, but I I was saying like you know where you've came from, we know where you're at. What does the, I do a lot of vision work with the with the clients three to five years from now? What does a, a day in the life three to five years? from now look like for you like you've done so much the books the podcast what does the next three to five years look like and then maybe even 10 years i can you share that with us a bit of your vision now
1: yeah it's a it's an interesting one because something that i shifted my focus on and i've been a long-term subscriber and i know you are too that what you focus on is what expands cool. and I would always be driven by kind of outcome goals and I want to hit this target and that served me very well for the initial stages of my business journey in particular. In 2023, 2024 to 2028, 20, 2030 for the next 5, 6, 10 years, I tend to check in more with the day-to-day process on am I enjoying this, how much... Am I dying to get out of bed the next day to do what I'm doing? So I check in with that more. Now I have targets and goals. Business is the one that I always find easy. Like I, I, I have my own personal vision for my business. My, my fitness business is very successful with the books, the speaking, the programs. It's basically on automatic now. I've got a really good team who help me run that. I, in the last six months, set up a business consultancy. So working with fitness businesses to help them grow either their offline or or online fitness business. So I've been spending a lot of time and energy giving back to that because that's the one that... I use the ninety-seven-year-old rule. It's something from Rewire Your Mindset that what would I regret on my ninety-seven-year-old deathbed, and then checking in when making decisions on so that I don't have now, those. Right, because
0: of all this anti-aging stuff, 100 we
1: well, percent, yeah, 100%. yeah, that's it. I got to get myself some stem cells, some uh, some longevity hacks, and I'll be a hundred and seven, ex- yeah. extended by ten years, please,
0: easy.
1: Okay, a hundred percent. But I check in with that, and that's kind of what led me to the business consulting because I had some some positive experiences with business coaching but a lot of negative experiences a lot of people who i felt just didn't care about me about my business and i probably had too much of my self worth at the time tied to my business so i felt it disproportionately impacted me but it's something that i was like i don't like the way that's been done or was done with me i'd prefer to come up with an alternative and that's how i ran all my businesses it's down to what gap do you see that you felt underserved on or you think people are underserved on and then just creating a solution for that so that's probably a focus for There's no probably that is the focus for the next 12, 18, 24 months and then to double down on the things that are working, a couple more books that I have in my head, one I'm working on at the minute, I want to do a lot more speaking similar to what you do because I know it impacts people in a different way than just consuming in a one directional podcast or through social media and those targets and working towards those are the things that get me really excited keeping my relationship strong with my daughter as she comes into a teen in the next 10 years and then you know making sure that i'm showing up the way i should be in all the relationships that are important to me again trite cliche but it's the truth for me
0: super super i love that um i have one word for you kyrgyzstan (laughs) can you tell us about kyrgyzstan this so Brian, one of the things we clicked on right when I when I met Brian, you know, I was start I was doing a good bit of running and I was talking about I want to do an ultra and I'm gonna do all this other stuff. I'm gonna run my first marathon and he told me that all these runs he's done like incredible and I love that because I know what it takes to get there and to push and to every year for my birthday, Brian, I do this thing called suffering by choice. You know, I love to suffer on my birthday to remind myself I'm alive. So for the last four or five years, you know, my good buddy Aiden and all my brother, we do these physical challenges. And this year, I was supposed to do this five-day ultra ultramarathon. Um, and I'm planning to, I couldn't because of an injury, but I'm planning to do it next year. You've done a lot. And we don't have time, unfortunately, to cover all of them. But talk to me about Kyrgyzstan. Tell us what it was, uh, the plan, the vision, and what happened. And tell us about that.
1: Okay. Kyrgyzstan, and you chopped out a little bit on me there, but I think I got yeah. the end of it. So I'll jump yeah. straight in with it. Kyrgyzstan was what was my most recent challenge that I set for myself. Very similar to you. When I feel that life is getting a little bit easy, I like to choose my suffering so that I can, one, remind myself I'm alive, but also remind myself of that I wasn't always as resilient and yeah, what okay. I would. Yeah, because I wasn't. It's something I struggled with. So I like these challenges as reminders. Ironically, This was probably one of the hardest ones because of the way it went down. So a very long story short, the plan was... To go out to Kyrgyzstan, which is beside Kazakhstan, people will be aware of where Kazakhstan is because of maybe Borat and other things. I didn't know where Kyrgyzstan was until somebody told me that. I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, I know where that is now." It's beside China, no, yeah, and yeah, sure. it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, "Where the fuck is Kyrgyzstan?" But uh it was a five-day ultra. I was planning to be an up five-day ultra up the Tian Shan mountain range, which is one of the highest mountain ranges in Kyrgyzstan, which is overlooking China. And I trained very hard for it. It's so funny because the lesson I got and I did a solo podcast on this was it doesn't matter how much you prepare for something, unexpected things can happen. You just have to be ready because this has never happened to me on a, on a challenge before. I did Marathon to Saab. I ran five days through the Arctic in the north of Sweden. I tore my Achilles doing that and literally dragged my Achilles behind me. So I did have an unexpected issue happen there, but it was a physical injury versus an illness. When I got to Kyrgyzstan, I was the fittest and most prepared I've ever been for an ultra in, in all my years doing it. It was the best prep and physical condition that I've had. And I landed out there and I ate food in the hotel the first day. And about two days later, it was the Saturday, I woke up and I was like, oh, I don't feel good. I was like, Something, something's not right here. And the plan was to hike for three days up to a base camp to acclimatize to the altitude, and then come back down, recuperate for a day, and then run the five days. The first day of the hike, got about 15, 20 miles up, I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink any water. And when I got to the top of the mountain, without getting too graphic, whatever was in my system came out in every direction. And I was put into a quarantined tent at the top of the mountain, away from everybody else in case it was something that was contagious. I was at altitude and literally thought for about half an hour that night I was going to die. I was like, this is it. I'm, it's, it's over. I was like, I, I, whatever the fuck has happened, I'm going to die just because I was dehydrated. And I was like, I lost six kilos over a few days from all the liquid I lost and all the food that I lost. And I had to hike down the next day Thank God the medic was with me, one of the medics for the races was with me, hiked down with me and the race director Chris came down with me, they brought me to a Kyrgyzstani hospital, which was exactly as it sounds, it was like a Soviet building and I felt like I was in a concentration camp hospital from a World War II film. And I was like, oh, my God. Now, the treatment and stuff was really good. And thankfully, we had a translator there who was able to translate the Kurg into English and see what was going on. And it just turned out I had a parasite. So a parasite that I picked up in the hotel. Um, and I wasn't clear to race. I got sent home. I was sick for probably about a month, three weeks to a month. Same, when a I A month. Yeah, 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 because w- it was weird, Aiden. because my biggest fear, this is so, maybe the universe just giving me what I needed versus what I wanted. My biggest fear, and I said this to Simon, who ran through the Arctic with me and ran through Marathon to Sob, and He was with me in Kyrgyzstan, and the plan was to do it together again, was I was afraid that this was the Monday, and we were supposed to race on the Wednesday. And they said, if you can keep food down and you can keep water down, you can get to the start line. But lo and behold, I couldn't. Like, I literally kept nothing down. So they sent me home. And I was afraid I'd get home on a Thursday or a Friday after traveling. It's about a 24-hour flight to get back home. Mm. And I thought, there's nothing worse now than if I wake up on Friday and I'm 100%. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I could have, you know, that would have killed me. Mm. But I got back, and I wasn't right. Like, I, I got back, and I was like, there's something wrong here. I went to my doctor found out I was a parasite, got things like um, parasite cleanses and different antibiotics that they gave me. I was able to heal and go back to normal. But It was about three weeks, um, about three and a half weeks before I felt right again and normal again. And then I was back out of training and my energy started to climb back up because my energy was just zapped. Like I felt like I didn't absorb a vitamin or mineral for weeks. Just whatever was in my system was clearly just sucking it up. So it didn't go as planned. It was the first time that's ever happened with a challenge where I didn't even make the start line. And wasn't cleared. Like, again, it helped because the decision was taken out of my hands a little bit. But was something that taught me a lot. I've been doing a lot of mental gymnastics since I got home. And it just made me realize that you can be so prepared, and I was like, I was, I wasn't cocky because I've been fucking knocked back enough in my life, but I was confident going there. Like yeah. I was running up and down Crow Patrick, which is a mountain beside my house, well, like not that far from where I live, and my legs were like two tree trunks from all the mountain runs I was doing.
0: Yeah. It's not and, better scared than running up, no, up a hill. It's insane.
1: Oh, I, and I and and I went out there going, well, this was controllable. The best training I could have done. And I didn't even make the start line. So it just made me think that these things can happen in life. You have to be ready for them. Sometimes you shouldn't persevere through. Just because something's difficult doesn't mean that it's valuable. And your health obviously becomes your priority. So I did get a lot of lessons from it. It just went as far off plan as could possibly be.
0: That's such a good metaphor for life, though. And I think it it comes back to what we talked about earlier about being in that alignment and having that fulfillment every day in your life and who you are, right? Because if that was your only identity, you'd be suffering. You probably wouldn't even be on a call right now. You'd still be in the blues, in the darkness, right? It's about having that full holistic picture of your life, not just one aspect. Do you know what you said
1: there, Aiden? That's such a great point. One of the things that helped me so much transition from bodybuilding, CrossFit, sport, things that I find kind of naturally, I won't say easy, but definitely less difficult than most because of the way that I'm built. Whereas running, similar to you, we're not really built to run super long distances if you compare us to people who are holding world records with the complete opposite build. But I find running very humbling. and But I never had my identity wrapped up as a runner, ever. Yeah. So if I didn't place well or do well in a, in a race, I never really cared. I'm like, well, I'm just here for me. And that knowledge let me see that all the reflective, or when I reflect back on the areas of life that I felt the lowest and most depressed was normally because I had my complete either identity wrapped around being a certain person or way too much value put into the external achievement that I set for myself. Once that dissipated and went away, something ultra-running taught me more so than, you know, journaling or therapy or ayahuasca, once that went away there's a peace that comes with that that you just you're still going after the thing you want you're just not attached to the outcome and i mm-hmm. think if you can condition yourself to get to that point from personal experience anyway you tend to feel a lot more happiness and fulfillment just from that practice of non-attachment alone
0: absolutely you know the buddha was onto something when he said that desire and attachment is the root of all suffering right because it is Mm-hmm. And especially when it's external, especially when it's something out of your control, things like that. Just for sure, there's disappointment. For sure, there's frustration. But it doesn't affect you. Come home, you see your daughter. You're happy. You're full of life. You got your clients. You're bringing value to. You got your podcast. You're you're being of value. You're getting your voice and other people's voices out there that are valuable. You know, you're serving in so many ways. And even that ultra running, I, I believe like when I when I did last year the 4 by 4 by 48 Goggins Challenge, mm-hmm. I signed up a couple of days before because I knew my mind would start thinking, could I do it? And my mind will kick mm-hmm. in like you can't and you've never ran that distance and that volume is too much and your injuries and blah, blah, blah. And when I did it and I put on the 10 kilo vest for the last few K and I was like... It's fucking easy for me. Let's. What's next? And I signed up for the marathon eight weeks out. I had to show myself I could do it before I believed I could do it. Because if you're waiting for the belief, you might never. So I believe there's a lot of value in doing. And it sounds like that's a thing for you as well, where you just actually go and do it. But because you don't have the attachment, it almost gives you the freedom to just do it. Was, does, that, does that make sense? So, uh, what's your thoughts on yeah.
1: that? 100%. I, for, that's probably the biggest difference between the me of 25 versus the me of 35, that I can set those big goals now and I'm not attached to them. I don't go after them with any less desire. I don't go after them with any less intent, but I don't have the same attachment. And as you said,
0: you know, that suffering... You're not dependent on anything to give you something that you don't have already within you.
1: 100%. 100%.
0: And I think once I understood
1: that... And regularly check in with it because I need a reminder probably more than most people because you get all up in your head and you get caught up in ego and all this other bullshit stories that actually just hold you back and make you a worse version of yourself. When you constantly check in with that, you're thinking from a higher level and you're feeling that less stress because most of our stress is self-imposed prisons that we create for ourselves from my experience anyway. And you can still have all these amazing things but you're just not – tied to them or your internal fulfillment meter isn't tied to the outcome versus you know i was always afraid and this is a story i had aiden that if i'm not living an anxious life i won't achieve Mm -hmm. that was my story i was like i have to be anxious i have to be in my head or else i won't do where in reality it's just you're you're just burning from a very hot coal and Mm -hmm. you can still go and have and be a high achiever Just without all the stress and the self-imposed pressure, it's, again, what you're doing every day, showing up, putting in the effort, just not being so attached to the outcome that you make yourself miserable in the process.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a big believer, and I first heard this from Jim Rohn, my my spirit animal and my mentor, and he said, the secret to greatness is the service of others. And I see with you, like... Ultimately, what you're doing, people can call you a fitness coach, people can call you a podcast host or an author, but ultimately, what I see when I look at you is someone who's bringing massive value to the world, and that's something I'm most proud of in myself. And I believe the more successful I am, it means I've brought more value. How? What point did that kick in when you realised? Okay, I'm not just doing this for me. I'm actually being a person of value. I'm actually helping people find freedom in their bodies, obviously in their mind as well, because you do a lot in the mindset and in the business side. Like, at what point, when did that become important to you? Is that important to you? At what point did it become important to you? Because I know for me, it gives me such freedom. And even being aligned, first of all, is, is the best thing. Because even if you're tired or whatever, it doesn't matter. You switch on when the time is there. It's 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 not what you do. It's who you are. Um, what For you, like, how important is that? Because it's one thing to be aligned. But when you're aligned and of service, and I believe when you're using your gifts, when you're fully aligned, automatically there's some level of being of service i think that's why we're here that's our mission to advance this kingdom for for lack of a better phrase and for something to identify with how important is that to you being of service do you recognize that in yourself that you're being of massive service and talk a, a little bit about that from your perspective
1: yeah the time that happened was september 2015 and i can tell you exactly why in a minute but one of my anchors or, pillars that I regularly come back to is Am I leaving the world a little bit better than when I came into it? And it's a very either can be seen as a tiny or a massive North Star, depending on how you show up and what you do. But it's something that I have to go back to regularly. That it's the same reason when I'm creating content that I don't call people out. And I don't like make fun of people on platforms. Mm -hmm. There's enough negativity in the world already. I actually don't want my channels at the... Even though they'd probably grow faster if you were a bit more of a negative cunt and call people out. I don't want to do it that way. It's not how I want to show up because I don't think that makes the world... It doesn't make social media. It doesn't make the internet. It doesn't make anything a better place because I'm here. And so I come back to that North Star regularly. September 2015 is when I switched into that thought similar to what you mentioned there, that you find yourself when you lose yourself in the service of others. It was off the back of the world's... I was a uh, professional fitness model, so I used to compete and travel around the world doing fitness models. Anything I haven't shows. done, bro. Jeez, I feel like I thought
0: I was there's, there,
1: there's, 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 loads, there's loads I haven't done, but like that feels like a different person because like I was driven by a lot of you know self-haste during the time and I had a lot of negative energy that I just channeled into training and channeled into myself. Yeah to get bigger, to get leaner, to do better in these shows, but in May 2015, my daughter was born, and I was preparing for the Worlds in Vegas for that August, and I remember having that moment in May with this tiny little person in my hands going, oh my God, if I keep living the way I'm going to live, I'm going to be a fucking shit dad, because I was calorie depleted, I was brain dead, I, just, I was showing up mm-hmm. and doing things for me. September 2015 was a month after that bodybuilding show when I said, I'm done, I'm out, I'm retired, I finished eighth, top 10 in the world, I did pretty well. And I said, regardless if I come first, if I come eighth, if I come last, I'm out. I looked back on my social media feed, Aiden, and it was all selfies of me. It was all training photos of me. It was all shirtless, different angles of me. And I thought to myself, I am not serving people with this although mm. yes there's there's an argument that you might be inspiring, inspiring for someone yeah. young who wants to go down that path etc so i'm not you know hitting or hating it's on anybody who still puts much. out content like that yeah. exactly but for me at the time i felt like i wasn't coming from a place of service and as if somebody flicked an internal switch i thought i've been working in the fitness industry now for years i've read countless books I've been training myself for you know 10 plus years. I have so much knowledge and information in this space that could potentially help people. Why am I not doing more of this? And I read a book, it was by Gary Vaynerchuk, who goes by Gary V now called Crush It, that was talking mm. about social media, which actually got me on social media initially. And then I started to follow more of his content about serving and providing value. So I shifted that content towards how can I help you? It wasn't about me anymore. It's still not about me for the most part on my social. It's about how can I help you? How can I be of service? I never want anybody that follows me on social For someone to ask them the question, why do you follow Brian? And for them to not have an answer. Answer, yeah. And I think I I can think of fitness accounts.
0: Can you say that again for the people just in case they missed that? But say that to what you just said there. Because in terms of the entrepreneurs listening, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners who listen, a lot of people who are building a personal brand. I think there's so much in what you just said. Can you say that again?
1: I never want someone to ask, why are you following Brian for them not to have. An answer for that or a reason for that
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's something that still to this day and I've there's people with bigger followings than me there's people with smaller followings than me but I can probably hand on heart say 99% of the people who listen to my podcast or follow me have an answer for that question and I would imagine it's in some shape or form he's adding to my life he's providing value he's educating me to get to closer to something I'm trying to achieve or some variation of that and once I constantly check in with that and come from that place of service not only do I feel more fulfilled it it feels like I have a cheat code for a video game because I can do this forever and I can do this, and it's not dependent on how lean I am. It's not dependent on how I look. It's dependent on how much service and value I'm giving. And I think I can do that for the next 50, 60 years. I always wanted to create a business that I never want to retire from, and yeah. that allows me to do that.
0: And even what you just said there about them being able to answer in a simple way what you do, that, even, that comes back to the whole messaging and brand and your communication, your identity and how you serve and we could do a whole episode on that, just on the business and entrepreneurship side. And I think we should potentially because, you know, we're, we're too young. I say young confidently. I'll emphasize the young here. <laughs> too young, handsome, lovely entrepreneurs from Ireland doing great things. Serving the world. <laughs> my, people, they, my listeners, they know what I'm about They know that we're having a crack here. Um, but it's true also um so we will do an episode i'd love to do one and and share our insights as as kind of young guys building brands building online and you're you're much further down the line in terms of the books and the podcasts and stuff and i and i look up to you and i admire you that and your effort and your effort on social media and i'd love to dive into that but we don't have the time today but i think if you'd agree it would be very interesting for us to do an episode around on the business Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurship side in the future 100% 100%
1: I have my business podcast as well I think that would work really well for I've got three podcasts I'm all in on podcasts but my business (laughs) one I think we could have a great chat on that one
0: yeah yeah we we should definitely do that listen we'd love to finish wrap up here Brian some goal there from people and again the authentically you aspect I think it's summed up perfectly with you just and how you answer the questions your approach There's so many lessons you're given your experience but it's layered with lessons and I really hope people enjoy it and and listen back because you know, I, I get that feedback a lot from this kind of topic when people listen, they, they listen back a lot because it's quite dense at times and I think this is a really dense episode. I think there, you might listen to it one time, get one thing and you listen again, there's going to be another message there. So thanks for being so open and, uh, and sharing everything from your truth. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Again, absolute honor to be on and I know that you do a lot of solo work where you help people. So to be able to feature on this and have this conversation, I'm very grateful for it.
0: Good. So, as we close up, I'll finish with this. I, I like to know, you know, it's kind of a, a tough question to put into a short answer, but if you could, the people who are listening here, they all want to get back to them. They want to live in alignment. They want to get back to their highest self. Maybe they're lacking clarity. You know, I talked to curiosity leads to clarity, clarity leads to confidence, confidence leads to consistency. We did all that before, right? But what, are, what is your advice, your best advice for people listening? They want to get the clarity. They might be struggling. Maybe they have the clarity, they're lacking the confidence. What you do and what you've done required a lot of confidence to continuously show up, to put yourself out there, to be vulnerable, to share your narrative. People here, they want to get in alignment. They want to find their truth, their purpose. They want to feel alive every day. What What's your couple of things you can give them to get back to their truth? If you, if you could pick a couple off the top of your head that you feel making I impact. think,
1: yeah, I think I'm going to piggyback on what you said there because clarity is the most important thing in some regards but right beside it either just on top or linearly beside it is the confidence something I struggled with was the confidence to back myself more part of the reason for setting out and choosing my suffering and doing these challenges and setting goals for myself is because confidence for me was built bit by bit. I always picture it like, you know, legs on a table is the analogy I use in books, that it's like adding small legs to a table every time you keep a promise to yourself and then every once in a while you'll set a big goal and add a big big leg to your table and you'll feel more confident. Clarity is not something I struggled with. I, similar to you, as soon as my ladder is lined up against the right wall, you take the next step and the clarity and the vision becomes clearer. For me, the confidence was something I had to actively build and if you're similar to me, It starts with keeping those promises to yourself, but also, and I've changed my mind about this in recent years, so you might come back to me in five years and I have a completely different opinion on this. I do think every once in a while, after you have a base or foundation level of confidence, you have to set a big goal. You have to set something that fucking scares you. Because yeah. it's that. It's the 4 by 24 for you or the, the the ultras or the marathons within the time or the ultras for me or the bodybuilding shows. The things that once upon a time scared the living shit out of me even thinking about them were yeah. the things that gave me disproportionate confidence. So for long periods of my life, I preached that you do it slow and steady and that's what wins the race to stick with an ace of fail bill of the tortoise and the hare. But... In more recent years, I do think to get the disproportionate benefit and the confidence, you have to set a really big goal. And that's relative. A big goal for one person, if you're 200 pounds overweight, your big goal might be to get, and lose 100 pounds, and maybe run a couch to 5K. If you're someone who runs regularly, it might be to run a marathon. It might not even be fitness related. It might be to set up a side hustle, or an extension of your business, or maybe it's a romantic relationship, something that scares the fucking shit out of you. I think you have to go after those every once in a while, because they're the real pillars and the anchors. They're the... the Quantum leaps,
0: right? Anchors in the storm. Yeah. And just in perspective shifts, like it's just a quantum leap. What I do at coaching is the same as you. We elevate people out of their current perspective to see things from your area. That kind of effort you're talking about, that kind of step, it just transports you to a different perspective in yourself and in life, right?
1: hundred percent. That quantum leap, as you said, is a beautiful way to put it. And I think you have to seek those out. Not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not even next week, next month or next year but keep it in the back of your mind that at some point you're going to get a call for something that seems too big for you and that's the thing you need to go after.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think it'll be alive to something in everyone, right? Do you think, for me, I believe when you ask the question, and you listen, you receive the answer. Do you believe everyone has something? That, if they if they think, what is it? Are they just not asking the question? Are they just not listening? What, what What's your advice for people to to really find the answer to what that may be? I can only
1: use myself anecdotally, I, for years, had the voice and I chose to ignore it. Mm -hmm. I had that cognitive dissonance and would convince myself that it's not something I really wanted. And that gave me immediate gratification that actually wouldn't have to go after and put in the work and the effort for this thing. But then it would reappear six months later or 12 months later. And then it just felt like I was moving further and further away from myself. You talk about getting back to you. I felt like I was moving further away from me. So I think everybody has them. It shows up in different shapes and forms. It's not like, for me and you, we're into fitness, so it might be a fitness thing that calls us. For somebody else listening, it might be a romantic relationship or, you know, ayahuasca or a psychedelic retreat maybe or a business goal. Everybody has that calling. Like, we're all here for a reason. A lot of, I think, for me, and you definitely do this because this is a core aspect of your work, is just batting away the fucking noise and the shit so yeah. that you can see why you're here and yeah. once you do that then everything else gets clearer
0: and it might be multiple things you listed it, it could be one of it could be multiple like for it probably is multiple things like there's a good chance your relationships could probably improve and it takes some a quantum leap in your beliefs or approach to that at the same time your physical challenge just to to show yourself you're you're better than you are you're stronger than you are or you can do more than you think you can or people have told you you can. There's probably a couple of things, but just the I think the big thing as well from today and what you were saying is just take the step, right? Take the step.
1: mean yeah, the first step's the hardest part. You know that. I know that. Anyone that's ever done anything that feels like it was worthwhile knows that going from zero to one is harder than going from one to ten. So just take the first mm. step.
0: Unbelievable. I was a bar. We talked about dropping bars. I was a bar and a half there to finish. Um Brian that was such an informative episode there's such value for people there because you're someone when people find you and they see you they can see you're a man about action they can see the amount of what you're it's a volume that you're putting out you know you're like those old encyclopedias people had There's loads of them you're not just one you know one little book that people put out you're a volume of encyclopedias in terms of experience and knowledge and you know, I just love everyone. It's just a pleasure talking to you as always. You know, I, I'm I'm grateful for our friendship since we met at that ayahuasca retreat. We're the, we have the kind of friendship, like real friendships. Even if you don't chat for a couple of weeks, for a couple of months, when you dive in, it's real. It's straight to it. You know, there's no fluff on top. We're getting down to business. We're, we're we're purposeful. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for you taking the time. um It's just been it's been incredible. I think it's going to be massive value for people here, Brian.
1: Mate, pleasure is all mine. As I said, I'm so grateful too. Like those deep, meaningful conversations, that relationships, they're very rare in this world. So I appreciate them and I hold the gratitude and the space for them because it's not something I've always had. So when it does appear in my life, mm-hmm. I, I won't say I try and grasp it with two hands because I'm not supposed to force things. That was my message. <laughs> but I'm aware and I'm, I'm, a, I'm aware of how grateful I should be for it.
0: Yeah. So listen, Brian, tell people where we can find you. Where the listeners? Where do you want For to those who first? Want... <laughs> so many places to go
1: uh yeah probably the podcast I think you know podcast listeners listen to podcasts so I always say if you like podcasts check it out like the I have as you mentioned such a wide range of guests like our episode was one of my favorites from last year like I listened back to that one twice because I kept getting different things like at, so there was three in total the first time and then listened back twice <laughs> right. because th- those episodes just something different connects each time you listen so check out maybe that episode if you want to jump straight in and kind of get a it bit was of familiarity with I voice. believe. I just,
0: I just shared some clips from it the other day I I think it's episode 411 just for people who want to find
1: out. Yeah, do. do. And as I said, the beauty of chats like this, even you pull stuff out of me that I'm not able to put out of myself. And the same, I think I got stuff out of you that you wouldn't pull out yourself because it's just, that's the beauty of dialogue and conversation. There might be some stuff on there that reconnects and re-triggers people to make a positive change. So yeah, definitely check out 411, the episode with Aiden. And then Instagram, Brian underscore Keen underscore fitness. I'm on there too.
0: Excellent. Listen, thanks so much, Brian. I'm going to share everything in the in the show as well. Uh, it's a real, real pleasure. Guys, if you like the episode, make sure you subscribe if you're new here. If you're a return guest, I appreciate it. I'd love to hear from you. you know, people send me DMs on Instagram all the time. I love getting a message from you saying, hey, I checked out the podcast and I got value. Let us know what you thought you know if you're if you're going to share us, so a lot of people are sharing stories with feedback these days tag both of us let us know your biggest takeaway from what brian said today what did you get the most value from let us know if you want us to do another one on number three because three is the magic number and all that um subscribe if you like the podcast i will see you guys in the next episode it's been absolutely joyous thank you again brian and we'll talk to you soon <laughs>